Genre. Doctor's Companion presents Doctor Who The Long Way Around, the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And I'm Nick Jimenez. And today on the show, we will be discussing The Edge of Destruction, uh, the first Doctor's fourth story, uh, which is not actually called The Edge of Destruction, as I uh, found out in research. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk about it. Um, so the actual name of this story is inside the spaceship, uh, which they changed later, uh, later in, you know, the life of Dr. Who, because they're like, remember that time we called the TARDIS a spaceship? That was weird, right? We should change that. Um, and so they started referring to it, uh, by the first title of the first the the you know this is a two-parter and the first episode is titled edge of destruction uh so they started just calling it that um but originally this story was called inside the spaceship it's just weird <laughs> and interesting yeah yeah uh, so it's just so disrespectful i love i love it i love i love these early <laughs> days where it was still just like yeah this stupid space box that he travels in i don't know like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, so here's the great story about this episode. It's it's, it's a short background, but it's fun. So uh, basically, within the first story, uh, the the you know 100,000 BC, uh, the show was almost canceled because of you know the JFK assassination and all of that stuff that we saw. It's parts uh, playing it, right? Um, as we saw, as we saw dr- dramatized in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> back and to the left. Um, oh, so, so, uh, so anyway, um, so it was very nearly canceled. Uh, the BBC chief of programs, Donald Baverstock, uh, basically said, we don't, uh, we don't, we don't, I don't want you to do anymore. Like, you know, this first story costs too much. No one's watching it. Uh, this sucks. You suck. Knock it off. And uh, Sidney uh, Newman, uh, Pop Pop himself, Pop Pop, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. he uh, he he basically convinced um, Baverstock that you know give us thirteen episodes to prove that this show has an audience. And they were like, he was like, okay, fine, I'll give you thirteen episodes. This is your budget. Don't go beyond this. So then they were like, okay, great. We have 13 episodes. What are our three stories? He's like, well, we have our 100, our uh, 100,000 BC, which is four parts. We have the Daleks, which is seven parts. And then we have Marco Polo, which is also seven parts. And they're like, that doesn't equal 13, does it? Uh, no. So, 
So they were like, okay, so what are we just going to do? Go two parts into Marco Polo and then get canceled and not be able to finish that story. That seems weird. Like, yeah, that is pretty weird. So they went to David Whitaker, who was the story editor at the time and, uh, said, Hey, listen, um, we need, we, we, when at the end of the Daleks, we're going to be at 11 episodes. We have approval for 13. So we don't want to start Marco Polo and try to either wrap it up in two episodes or just air the first two. Uh, can you, you know, figure out a two part adventure that we can do instead? And David Whitaker was like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I guess, uh, sure. They're, he's, he's like, I'm not technically allowed to write it though. He's like, well, well, you just won't credit you as story editor for those episodes. And then <laughs> you can write whatever you want. He's like, okay. He's like, what, what does the story need to be? And there's like, it can be anything you want as long as it doesn't cost anything. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, the bottle episode was born. <laughs> um, is, this, and is this the first instance of a bottle episode? I think it might be. Yeah. At least in science fiction, I oh, think. Snap. Yeah. I almost <laughs> Yeah. <heard. laughs> right, right, right. Because every, usually it's Star Trek that is credited for creating the bottle episode. Um, but uh, I think it might be this, honestly. Uh, because this is literally David Whitaker just being like, okay, I have enough budget to pay the actors and literally nothing else. And I need to make two episodes out of it. Right. Uh, how am I going to do that? Um, Let's write a so, play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they, uh, they made a, you know, he created a story and I just love that this, the, you know, he wrote this to solve a budget problem, um, and an episode count problem. Uh, and obviously, you know, I mean, to the surprise of no one, Doctor Who was renewed. Uh, but it the these two episodes, it's amazing that these two episodes were not originally planned, but they proved to be, you know, two of the most important episodes of William Hartnell's tenure. It's like, you know, it's like uh, the uh, unearthly child. It's this. And then it's, you know, like the end. Of the, of the mm. like his his final story um you know and maybe the, i guess the daleks but like yeah it's like after this it's pretty much you know like the first doctor's era just kind of continues on and doesn't really introduce a lot of new stuff until the very end when it introduces regeneration um this is kind of like the last one that really introduces a concept and it was all just you know Whitaker trying to figure out like how like how can I make a story that takes place entirely in the TARDIS? Well, what if the TARDIS was alive and trying to tell them something? Yeah, that, that's nuts. Like I, <laughs> I I I just you know looking back, look you know being where we are now, looking back at like this was the start of that, and it just started with you know uh, make a make make a story with no budget, please. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, it 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 it's it sort of um I I I really love that these these things that we can be so so precious about these these characters, this canon whether it's comic books or Doctor Who, you know, we can get I mean it's 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 a lot like it's a lot like we we what you can argue about religion, which is that you know, we we get so caught up in like you know, what's is it the doctor or is it Doctor Who? Is it a spaceship or is it a <laughs> and 
And then you go back in time and it's just like these working class writers that are like, just freaking make it. I don't care. Make yeah. it talk. Right. I don't care. Just do it. We have a do a bottle up. What's it going to matter? <laughs> it doesn't matter. No one's going to watch this stuff again. Yeah. No, what? what are people going to take it seriously and like yell at girls on Twitter that say it wrong? <laughs> Well, and what's crazy, too, about about these episodes is because of the way they were shot, you know, they're just, you know, in a studio and, and you know, one that they already had built. Like, they didn't have to build anything for this. Like, yeah. Just, mm-hmm. you know, let's use the set we already have. And they shot both of these in one eight-hour day. Like, they shot one episode on a Friday and then the, the consecutive Friday they recorded part two. What? Yeah. Like just one one eight hour day. Like they just showed up and made it. <laughs> like Wow. And you watch it and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. There's not really a lot of coverage in this. Like it it really almost seems like they only had one camera running, uh, instead of like a normal, like, you know, two or three studio setup. Uh it was like they were just doing everything they could to make these stories as absolutely cheap as possible. Um kind of amazing really mm-hmm. yeah but, uh, yeah and it, so and it is it is it is super cool how much of this because it is such an accident and it is so unintentional that i i think it's really cool spooky cool how much this does still fit in the same puzzle as the doctor's wife or mm-hmm. or just just the show in general like it 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 yeah, there are some instances where, you know, clearly the TARDIS was meant to be more of a starship enterprise than a than a than a lady person soul. But um <laughs> But yeah, and like I, 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 I do like little moments like the doctor not being entirely sure what the problem is. Um and like the TARDIS being this mysterious tech that that no one really knows how to 100 percent operate that does it it it, that feels very much in line with what's been retconned um yeah and i don't know if that makes me appreciate the original series more or the act of retconning more that it that it works out so so seamlessly but i i I thought that was pretty groovy to watch yeah it's pretty cool The Edge of Destruction, Part 1. Written and script-edited by David Whitaker. Directed by Richard Martin. Produced by Verity Lambert. Air date, 8th of February, 1964. While attempting to correct the TARDIS's faulty navigation circuits, the Doctor causes a small explosion and renders the TARDIS crew unconscious. Barbara is the first to recover and awakens Ian and Susan, who appear to have slight cases of amnesia and begin to act strangely. Susan becomes convinced that an alien presence is on board and has seized control of the TARDIS as the doors begin erratically opening and closing whenever Ian moves towards them. Convinced that Barbara and Ian have been taken over by an alien intelligence, Susan attacks them with a pair of scissors but stops herself from doing any real harm. As the doctor finally comes to, he accuses Barbara and Ian of sabotaging the TARDIS in an effort to blackmail him into taking them home to England in 1963. Barbara angrily refutes the Doctor's suspicions with a recap of their recent adventures. The Doctor excuses himself from the room and returns with a tray of drinks, which he serves as a peace offering. 
Barbara, Susan, and Ian all retired to their quarters and drank the nightcaps. Later, after confirming his companions are asleep, the doctor returns to the TARDIS console to examine it without interference and is suddenly attacked by a pair of hands that grab him by the throat. So the first thing that I, I want to I talk about is... Uh, I, I, I just... I love... The first episode feels like it's directed by David Lynch. Like it doesn't, it doesn't like, like everyone's really weird. Like the, you know, when you get to the second episode, everyone's like more or less back to normal for the most part. Um, but this first one, everyone is bizarre. Like everyone is acting weird. Um, you know, Ian has amnesia there for a second, uh, where he just all kind of do. Yeah, I guess. They like Does, fall on their ass and then they wake up and they're like, what? Who are you? I'm like, what? right. Does Barbara though? Barbara's the only one that's okay. Right. I, th- I think she has it in the beginning because she refers to Ian, not as Ian, but as Chesterton. Oh, um, mm. so I okay. think like, cause she's the first to wake up. So you don't really see her interacting with the other people, but I think she does for a little while. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, like their amnesia is really weird. Ian is super strange. There is a bit where um, after there's a lot of characters walking in and out of the console room and passing out. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they like take turns. Uh, and then at that one point, um, there's that bit where uh, Ian and Barbara are like, Check. I just I love when Ian's like. What are you doing working so late? Barbara's like, I, I'm, I'm. What are you talking about? No, I'm not. The, something's going wrong, and he's like, Oh, oh, right, yeah. <laughs> he's like, What's that old man doing there? And he's like, she, He passed out. He's whatever. Oh, okay. Should we help him? Like, right? Just, like, is this how you would act if you were, you just saw like some passed out old man like at school, which is obviously where you think you are. <laughs> One thing I do that it that that is really good about this episode, and and, I, and again, I don't know if this is a side effect or intentional, but I was kind of thinking about how you know they kind of did need an episode to solidify this group as like a team, mm-hmm. you know, and I was just thinking about how it 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 it, it is weirdly. You do need that, and I, and I was thinking about um, uh, another another show around this time that was about kooky people, you know, traveling the universe, and uh, it was Star Trek. And if you go back and watch the original series of Star Trek, it kind of starts in media res. I mean, that that that's the whole reason why there's an O nine Star Trek is because we never got to see how Bones and Kirk and Uhura started this camaraderie. And, but it's important to note, and and I don't know, again, I don't think any of this is intentional, but those guys were kind of in like the military. Like Uh it was, it it was their job to be together. It was kind of like a workplace drama, but these are, you know, a a girl of indeterminate age, her grandpa and two teachers. And like, yeah, like these people aren't scientists. They aren't doc, they aren't soldiers. Like if they're going to be in a box together, it, it makes sense for it, it. I think it was a really good idea to have a story that was just about strengthening their relationship. So I think going forward in these 
first Doctor's adventures, it'll 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 seem I I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing this team go on more adventures now. Well, that's good. Having come out of this, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, Ian, Ian, uh, just in general, I think Ian's performance is super weird and like like weird in like a fun way. Like William yeah. Russell, like is just being like really off putting. Um, <laughs> and like, there's that part where uh, where where after Susan passes out, uh, the doctor starts like coming to and saying something and then uh ian just sort of like stares forward and just goes he's rambling yeah <laughs> it's like it's such a weird i think my my favorite ian line in this first episode is when he's like what is going on and it's just like really <laughs> exaggerated and i'm just like oh my gosh i don't yeah. <laughs> oh it's so good and then ian playing with the door um like where where he's like he's like the door's open and he walks to it and it closes and he walks away and it opens, <laughs> yeah, it opens again. he walks to it and it closes and he's just who is doing this yeah <laughs> is it you <laughs> um i so i really uh i really like that um this is also is this our our this is definitely our first right and and maybe our only uh look at the uh the tardis replicator um there might be like i don't know terry nation has a habit of like inventing random stuff in the tardis so there might be more in keys of marinus but i don't remember off the top of my head okay i'm not sure but i i this thing is ridiculous and i <laughs> water <mean>. milk <laughs> yeah those are the only options <laughs> that's what you live on hope you're not lactose intolerant <laughs> right cuz it's the only way you're getting calories <laughs> that's all i drink is milk <laughs> shut up susan I'm a, I'm a growing little girl child <laughs> <laughs> can we talk about how creepy susan is in this susan yes. Like Ian, I feel like Ian is just spending like William Russell is just spending the whole episode just trying to outdo Carol Ann Ford because <laughs> like it, it's like they're just do like they're just like dueling like, overacting while like Jacqueline Hill and William Hartnell was just like what are they doing <laughs> like stop it <laughs> psychos like that that scene where. Where she tries to attack Ian with scissors. <laughs> <laughs> and she just, her hair is like mad and like just like Ian is like walking toward her and she like hisses and like swipes the scissors at him. So funny. Oh God, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, everybody, everybody really does. Each actor kind of, it gets a shimmering moment of um of scene chewing i mm -hmm. think in this story oh yeah and that 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 those scissors that she's wearing or she's holding are like long enough to i mean it's like a machete of scissors like <laughs> i and and they they're like they come to a point like i don't yeah when was it that we figured out that like scissors don't actually need point like they don't need to come to a point because <laughs> they're scissors you don't stab anything with them like shears i don't know 
I don't know. Yeah. They're, they're, they're really intense. scary though. Um, and then when, when they take them away from her after she passes out again, and then they're like talking about the doctor and she just sneaks up behind them, steals the scissors and walks back to her room. I know. I love people like uh, the characters just randomly appearing in the background again, mm-hmm. like turn around and then Ian's just standing there or Susan's just standing there and you're like what is happening why is why are you like this oh, it's so good I love it um, the doctor accuses them all of uh, wanting to blackmail them into taking them home which I'm pretty sure just is just reverse kidnapping I don't <laughs> mm-hmm. like that logic doesn't check out man like they want to go home. You need to take them home. <laughs> if you're not yeah, taking them home, you're kidnapping them. They're not blackmailing you. Yeah, he's a he's a little grompus in this one. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, so I have a question. This was the first. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about you guys' lives, but this is definitely the first episode of William Hartnell that I have seen since the discovery that the first doctor is going to be uh joining us this christmas mm-hmm. did that viewing what what was that like for you guys watching this i i didn't even remember that was happening until you just mentioned it just now so it was oh, really? in my mind yeah. when i was watching it um, um i think that actually colored this rewatching of uh the story for me because I feel like this story, like it's a lot of fun, but I think it held up better in my head because um, uh-huh. it's been it's been a few years since I watched it, and I was trying to convince Norman to watch it with me. I'm like, oh, it's good. It's only two episodes, and then she starts stabbing with the scissors. He's like, what is going on? And I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Like, I do like the wrap up of. I mean, not this episode but the next one though like that's Mm -hmm. more the first doctor that i remember because Mm -hmm. he's only really like he is grumpy but he's only like openly hostile to them and like in this first season so Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah i don't know it'll be i think i think what will um affect my viewing of him is after we see uh the Mm. christmas special right oh yeah um, so like, you know, I, I guess that would be, I don't know if we're going to get through two rounds before the Christmas special, if we'll just make it through one. I haven't done the math yet. Um, but, uh, whatever the next round is after the Christmas special, I think, uh, that's going to be the one where it's like, oh, this is uh, interesting to compare these two. Um, cause you know, the last time we saw David Bradley, he wasn't playing the first doctor. He was playing William Hartnell, which is like a different right. thing. So It'll be interesting to see how he plays the first doctor. Plus he's playing the first doctor from his final story. So mm-hmm. yeah. um, he's gone through a lot. So, the last time I saw David Bradley, he was Walter Frey. <laughs> that's, that's fair. True. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I also, I love the doctor sneakily passing out nightcaps and I'm just like, first of all, I, I love that he just had liquor on the TARDIS. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was dope. When they were they were just all on a tray. Yeah, and it was like, oh, who who who, who could use a bit of a nip? And like that needs to happen 
a thousand percent more in the future. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I want Jodie Whittaker to be like the friggin' mom from Arrested Development. <laughs> I don't. I don't think. I don't think a doctor has visibly like drank alcohol that I can remember. Well, Pertwee. We've seen. We've seen. We've seen doc. I mean, there's that great scene in the doctor dances where he returns from a party a little bit sauced, but I don't think we've ever seen him like go full on Superman four. Yeah. <laughs> we see, we see John Pertwee go full on Superman. Yeah. It's Superman three, but yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, I forget the bad ones. Yeah, that's fair. John, John, John Pertwee. Uh, he, he loved a good brandy. Um, nice. so I uh, yeah, so it would be it would be fun to see that side of the doctor again because you know stuff doesn't go away. Just, right, it just shifts out of you know a, a regeneration here or there. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I I you know after the doctor accused me of blackmailing him into taking me home, I don't think I would drink anything he offered me. Um, yeah, especially if it wasn't sealed. <laughs> At first, I thought it was tea, and I was like, "This is the most British thing I've ever seen in my life." And then it was like <laughs> liquor, and I was like, "Oh, that makes it like so much better." <laughs> yeah. So, so Scott, I have a question. I mean, Cassandra, yeah. I don't really know what your relationship is with um with uh, that old devil hooch, but I I know I know Scott is a man that enjoys uh, a scotch mm-hmm. to wind down. Mm-hmm. Uh, what from your perspective, from your opinion? How? What kind of drinker do you think the doctor is? I I would think I would think. I I mean I I mean maybe it's John Pertwee that's painting this for me, but I would think Brandy. Like I would. Yeah, that's me too. I I can't I can't really. It's just something brown. I can't really see him being like a like a gin <laughs> guy or a vodka guy. No. Like a clear alcohol man. No. Yeah. No, definitely something something dark and something he can like sit with and swirl and read a book and hold. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, be a fun joke if he was one time if he was drinking the uh, the gargle blasters from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um. One little uh, one one little note that I wanted to point out, uh, which I I would love to see a retcon for, um, is uh, like someone trying to explain, like, oh well, is like when when Ian is checking out the doctor and he's like, his heart's okay, and I'm like, heart, yeah, hearts? plural, yeah, plural hearts. It's like I I would love for them to come up with some sort of retcon of like oh uh before uh time lord regenerates they only have one heart and then they regenerate and they have two or hmm. something i don't know like something well, some some kind fair, of retcon like, to explain that or one of them was he was so messed up he, they the tardis shut down one of his hearts or something i don't know <laughs> like ian's ian's like a like a chemistry teacher so like he wouldn't have studied like medical science I guess you that's know true. Although he would never admit teacher. any of those things you just said, but yeah, that's true. He's a, he's a real man's man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know a thing or two about a thing or two. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and then uh, uh, this ends with uh, someone strangling the doctor. That's I I love it as a cliffhanger because uh, I guess I guess the suggestion is that you know they were talking about like like Barbara got the idea that there's someone or something on the TARDIS with mm-hmm. them, right? And so is the cliffhanger supposed to suggest that it's that whatever that thing is that she thinks it is on the TARDIS? Hmm. Is that um, is that the suggestion, or is that in the next one that she makes they, that suggestion? I don't I don't remember because I they she has that conversation with Susan, mm-hmm. and Susan's like, oh well, they could they could be in one of us, and I'm like, oh that's that's creepy. Um, and I don't I think it's in episode two. Okay, well, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess there's only so many cliffhangers you could come up with on a bottle episode, but uh, right. Off camera arm strangling is uh <laughs> some weird one. Um and uh oh yeah, and then I, I I had one other little behind the scenes note that I wanted to bring up in this episode uh when we got to it. But the uh my favorite little behind the scenes thing about this is that Verity Lambert, uh hero of the rebellion, Verity Lambert, mm-hmm. um had to write a letter of apology uh to the children's department of the BBC after they made it known that it was a, a unwise decision to show Susan acting out violently with a pair of scissors. <laughs> oh man. The thing that's so I'm obsessed with this weird, and it, it, can't, it can never happen again. Maybe that's why I love it so much, but mm-hmm. I'm always I'm always going to have a soft spot in my heart for the creepy 23-year-old pretending to be an 11-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, there's just something about it that's uh, just so acting possessed. Yeah. Isn't she supposed acting? to be like 16? I don't know what she's supposed to that's be. That's the like. thing is I don't she's not acting like any real kid I've ever seen. Yeah. But She's she also acting isn't like acting. A, she's acting like a twelve-year-old, even if she is supposed to be playing a sixteen-year-old. <laughs> but then she's and how, neither, and, she's actually neither of those ages. So yeah, how 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 old? I mean, like ballpark. How old do we think Carol Ann Ford was like at this time? Twenty, I think. <laughs> yeah, like that's such a the, the the they're just such weird. She's twenty. She looks. I mean, like I mean, she looks like a young woman. She looks like an adult woman. Mm-hmm. And then she's playing at not even the age that her character like it's like okay cool she's sixteen. I've seen twenty year olds act like sixteen. I've I've seen a show on the CW. She is uh, she is twenty three. Uh, uh, yeah, when she's re- recording this. Yeah, twenty three. Yeah, and it's also like to get personal for a second. Like you know she's she's a very fetching. She's a very attractive young woman. But then when when she's acting like a it's just such a. <laughs> performance it's it's I, uncomfortable is what it is yeah Grandpa. it's a really weird disconnect yeah yes yeah it's not fun it is not fun the edge of destruction part two written and script edited by david whitaker directed by frank cox produced by verity lambert air date 15th of february 1964 the doctor's attacker is revealed to be ian compelled by a strange force to stop the Doctor from operating the TARDIS controls. 
Barbara and Susan are awakened by the sound of the attack, and the whole crew begin to argue as they grow more and more suspicious of each other's motives. An alarm sounds as the TARDIS shows faults in every system. A sudden explosion comes from beneath the console, and the Doctor realizes the TARDIS's power source is trying to force its way out, and they are only minutes from destruction. The TARDIS crew forget their differences and begin to work together. Barbara deduces that the strange events are an attempt by the TARDIS itself to warn the crew that something is wrong. The Doctor traces the problem to a broken spring in the fast return switch. The malfunction is causing the TARDIS to head back to the creation of a solar system. The strange events were just the TARDIS's attempts to warn its passengers before the ship was destroyed. Fixing the switch returns everything to normal. The Doctor apologizes to Ian and Barbara as the TARDIS lands. Barbara and Susan exit the ship to explore the planet's terrain, only to discover a giant footprint in the snow. So we find out that the arms are Ian's. Uh, and although you were kind of, I was kind of hoping that it was, that it was Susan, that Susan just had snapped and turned on her own, her own grandfather. <laughs> I was, that's funny because I, I was kind of hoping it was Barbara. Um, I, I, you know, Ian has very, uh, don't let him, you old don't, shit. don't let him, <laughs> don't let him hear me say this, but he has very slender, uh, feminine hands, uh, Ian. Yeah, um, so I, uh, I thought, I thought, I thought, I really thought it was, uh, Barbara. Like I thought she had like snapped or something. Um, whatever sickness was affecting. Cause like through this whole thing, through all of part one, she's sort of like the single soul voice of sanity. Um, yeah. And so I was like, I was like, oh, that'd be, that'd be good if like it was her that ended up doing it. But no, it was just, it was just Ian. He just woke up. Um, after the doctor drugged him um, and then immediately passes out. That's my favorite part of this is like the doctor just like, ah, what are you doing? And then he just lets go and goes, ah, ah, and then falls down. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of melodrama happening in this, in this episode. <laughs> That's what I, I, it, it's so there's some, there is something very like, Ryan Mur like there, there there is something kind of camp about yes just all of them Nick, like I was going I I was going to I was going to pull that reference and I was going to say this feels this episode feels like American Horror Story but I was like what do I know about that I didn't really watch that show so I'm glad <laughs> that you you brought that up because you're completely right that's totally the vibe I got from this as well awesome yeah yeah no it it, it it i mean just susan coming at her with the scissors is just like yeah that is exactly the right flavor of of camp mm -hmm. for me absolutely um so basically we come to find out that it's the tardis that's the problem something is wrong and the tardis is trying to tell all these idiots that something's <laughs> wrong <laughs> And they're all just attacking each other. And the TARDIS is like, Jesus Christ, you guys! Get it together! Yeah, this backfired a lot. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's a broken spring in a switch in the, in the, the, the go-back switch. Um, there's, like, a broken spring. And uh, it's sending them back from before the universe was created... And so the TARDIS is like, no, we can't go there because nothing exists. You idiots. <laughs> Please don't make me go to nothing. I, I, do you understand? Like, <laughs> you can't. 
You can't be in nothing. That's not nothing exists. I can't go to there. Stop it. <laughs> and yeah, this poor yeah. That what's amazing is the target. How? I mean, we can never answer this question, but this is like what years after he first steals this the TARDIS from Gallifrey. Like, I mean, have we ever kind of? I don't know, but well, actually, I think now that I remember, we kind of had a divide where I never picture William Hartnell taking the TARDIS. I picture like young William Hartnell, but I think you guys, we talked about this, like if it is like actually old man Hartnell. Yeah, because it's it's in uh, Name of the Doctor. They show William Hartnell stealing the TARDIS. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a bad little boy. Yeah. Exactly. I'm a mischievous teenager. See, age it, it, it means nothing in this show. That's true. That's very true. Um, I was thinking about that uh, today. I, I and I always I like that. I think we've brought this up before, but I do like that theory that the age that the doctor gives people is not his real age. It's his age since he took the TARDIS and became the doctor. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, I like that. Because then, so what is he like five in this? One? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that's true. Yeah, um, but no, I, I, I like that he doesn't know how the TARDIS works. Like the introduction of that concept of like he doesn't really know how the TARDIS works. He doesn't know when something's mm -hmm. broken, and now, now he's just he's a walking TARDIS manual. Um, and yeah, you know, it's, but it's, been like, it's it fun like a thousand years. So it took him that long to learn it all. Yeah. I, I like the idea that it, it does take, it would take several lifetimes to even effectively operate it. Yeah. Well, because it's meant for what? Five people, right? Yeah. To pilot? Five time yeah. Lords. Right. So one person isn't meant to do it on their own. So, uh, you know, I get it. Also, like I can't really picture Hartnell zipping back and forth the way like matt smith could no mm -hmm. maybe they've been getting younger by necessity because they have to run around the console all the time yeah well, that's the pretty true like, the tardis like i mean i know it's like a set but like the tardis keeps changing so like maybe it adapts because of his regeneration because oh. like capaldi's tardis is way less um like in your face than like that first matt smith tardis was Damn, you know I with all the tardis though yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, now that I think about it, when when I picture like Capaldi, he's almost like a gargoyle. Like he doesn't really <laughs> run around like a puppy. He like stalks it. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, but I I I like the revelation that that the Doctor doesn't really know how this thing works. Like he he basically knows how to get from point A to point B, sort of. But when something goes mm -hmm. wrong, he's like, I don't I don't know how to fix it. And it's actually like Barbara, who is like, maybe something's broken. And it's trying to tell us that it's <laughs> broken. And the doctor's like, that's stupid. Hey, look, this thing is broken. Huh? <laughs> he's like most Doctor Who viewers and their car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. I I just I really I I really like this story and then the end of this where they're just like throwing snow at each other and Ian's in a big coat. Um, oh man, I love that! Like it's almost like a like a poncho parka. I don't know what it is, but it's got like a cape and like <laughs> so good. It's phenomenal. yeah, and he offers. I like I like when the doctor like offers his arm mm -hmm. to Ian. 
Yeah. Yeah. But then we get um yeah, we get that <laughs> humongous footprint. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Uh we'll find out next round what that footprint be- who, who who like what that footprint belongs to in uh the uh uh Marco Polo story. Yes. Did it belong to Marco Polo? I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh, cool. <laughs> um but uh, yeah, good stuff. I I really like this. It's I think I think Nick is uh, spot on. I think without the story, we don't love these characters as much because mm-hmm. you know the Daleks is good, uh, but Hundred Thousand BC is not great, and Unearthly Child is good, but we don't really get to know anybody in that. Um, yeah. So this is the first time where. They, uh, you know, they leave the, the, the TARDIS sort of like giggling and now I'm like ready to see what their next adventure is. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. Who will Susan try and kill next? No, exactly. (laughs) With those horrifying scissors. Um, yeah, no. How great would it be is it, if in, if in, um, uh, twice upon a time, which we now know is the title of the Christmas special. Um, they get another twenty-year-old actress to play like twelve-year-old, sixteen-year-old. <laughs> that would be spectacular. <sighs> Absolutely spectacular. Um, yeah, you know, because the thing about it is, like, I was thinking about like the age of the Doctor in this, and he's gotta be like bare minimum. He's gotta be like what eighty. I mean, I know, I know Hartnell was in his fifties, but he's not playing fifties. He's like, so he's trying to like play older. Right. Yeah. So he's got, he's probably like, uh, like 60s, 70s ish, something like that. Cause he's got a grandkid, you know? Right. So I don't know, it's, it's, it's interesting. He's, he's, he's young, mm-hmm. he's super young, but then, but he's, but he's old. Like he's been in this body for a long time. Um, I don't know. Time Lord, uh, like physiology and all, like just the whole Time Lord mythology is just really interesting. I find. Mm-hmm. I wanna, I wanna know more. Well, they're but, very, but I also don't want to know more. Don't want to know. Yeah. yeah, they're a very stupid species. Yeah. The more you learn about them, uh-huh. <laughs> I like, I like having my own head cannon and just dealing with that. Our afterlife is a giant pool. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, what if? What if? Uh, what if y- you like had come to find out that he didn't actually uh, steal the TARDIS? He stole his uh, granddaughter, and like this was the Time Lord equivalent, like putting him in a TARDIS and sending him off into space is like the Time Lord equivalent of like putting old people on an ice block and like pushing them into the ocean. Just give him a TARDIS. <laughs> Oh no. Grandfather. <laughs> I'm coming with you. I know that also like cuz cuz Susan is not a time lord. Susan's a gal. No. Right. So like how old was Susan when she went with him? Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, is she like in her 30s? <laughs> is she just pretending to be 16 for like <laughs> To fit in, like at school, like that's creepy. Like this is like an orphan situation. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. I don't know. 
that's I am now that is now my head canon is that Susan is a hundred percent like thirty five and Gallifrey and, <laughs> and is just desperately trying to fit in with the other kids at school by acting what she thinks a sixteen year old is like which is actually more like an eight year old <laughs> oh my god uh because sixteen year olds on Gallifrey act like that mm-hmm yeah. There we go. We did it. So she's like, "Who wants to? Who wants to run in the rain and twelve? And she's like, "High schoolers, like, what? What is going on? Who wants to play <laughs> ball with me? We're going to see the Beatles this weekend. What are you? Oh man! Yeah, we're gonna smoke cigarettes and make out with each other in a basement. <laughs> in a basement. That's the that's the next companions. They do that all the time. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, Ben and Ben and Polly. They're all about." Going to rock shows and basements and making They're not out. the next companions. They're not? No. Oh. They're, They're the last ones. Who's between? you have um, Vicky, Steven, and Dodo. Oh, Dodo. Oh, Dodo. I actually like Vicky. I forgot. I like her a lot. Her. Yeah. I forgot That's fine. Them. It's, they're fairly it would have been great to see Capaldi with like a teenage companion. Um, yeah. Didn't they... Didn't they try to do that with that random schoolgirl? Oh yeah, she and was on she that was one really in that one really yeah. bad episode. Oh, the abortion yeah, one. The abortion episode. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna post this on Tumblr. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Well, I think uh, I think that's all we got for uh, for Edge of Destruction. Um, next time uh, we'll be back next week to talk about uh, this the moon base. Which is a second Doctor story, which I know. Um, last time I, that I know of, that Cass watched it, uh, she she wasn't too high on it. Um, oh boy! But but two of the episodes are animated now, so there's that. Oh, nice! Yeah, so at least that'll be good. Yeah, at least they're not reconstructions, right? Could be worse. I mean, I like I really like Marco Polo, and that's nothing but reconstruction. So I guess well, when a good story is good, you know, yeah. that's fine. But when when a when a mediocre story is mediocre and has reconstructions, it can go from mediocre to terrible. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so that's hundred um, percent So we'll we'll see how that goes. I'm I'm excited that this is our first round of a uh, long way around. I think ever that doesn't have any reconstructions. Nice. Yeah. It's pretty exciting, right? Let's all thank that fire in Cuba. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Cuba. <laughs> all right. I don't know what he's talking about, but... Remember, remember that fire that, like, that destroyed all those... Oh, no, I'm sorry. There was a fire in the BBC, but then they found a bunch of episodes in South America. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's that was it. Yeah, and there wasn't there wasn't a fire in the BBC. They just taped over them. Um, I remember there being a fire. Mm-mm. No, they just taped over them to save money. Because they're like, no one's gonna want to watch these ever again. <laughs> uh, good old seventies BBC people. The same people that you were praising at the beginning of this episode. They're the reason that we don't have episodes. Well, just they like, weren't cares. planning long term. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll uh, we'll be back uh, next week with uh, the moon base. Bye, everybody. Bye.